This is the new Criterion. I'm James Panero, Executive Editor. From the book launch for Old House of Fear, the reissue of Russell Kirk's best-selling novel of 1961, now newly published by Criterion Books, I join Roger Kimball and Annette Kirk to learn more about Russell Kirk's life in fact and fiction. Thank you all for coming. I'm Roger Kimball. I'm the editor and publisher of the New Criterion. Delighted to welcome you all here for the book launch of the first work of fiction that Criterion Books has published. It's not a new book. It is an early work by the great Russell Kirk. It's a ghost story. I didn't know that Russell Kirk wrote ghost stories, but now I do know. Uh, I'm told that this book, most of the people in this room probably, they think of Russell Kirk, they think of the conservative mind, certainly that's, that's what, I, uh, what I know best. But uh, I'm told that this book sold more copies than any of his other books. So we had on the occasion uh, of his anniversary in 2008, we had a um, a symposium, a conference on Russell Kirk, and my colleague James Pinero wrote a, a uh, his his uh, paper was on Russell Kirk's ghost stories, and uh, he al has also contributed uh, the introduction to this very handsome volume, which I should uh, it's incumbent upon me to point out can be yours <laughs> for a very modest sum of money to see the very tall chap out outside and uh, also tax-free. Don't tell the governor, but it, it's, uh, you, you, can, you can get it for uh, tax-free tonight only. Um, I also, where is Rebecca Heck? There she is. Uh, Rebecca is, was the editor, and so she, this would not have happened without, without her. So a round of applause for <laughs> Rebecca. Um, so the Criterion Books is a, it's a modest enterprise. We publish one or two books a year, books that might otherwise uh, not see the light of day. Um, but I think that this book is going to see a lot of light. And um, I'm delighted to have published it. And it's my pleasure now to ask James to come up and say a word or two. Well, thank you, Roger. There are those who know Russell Kirk for his politics, and there are those who know him for his fiction. And we hope now to connect the two with this reissue of Old House of Fear, his wondrous and best-selling novel of 1961. Dr. Kirk's conservatism was not an ideology. It was more of an anti-ideology. It was a disposition rooted in the spirits of our literary and cultural traditions. We can never really understand Dr. Kirk's conservative mind without reading into his Gothic sensibility. The past haunted him, the ground haunted him, his ancestors haunted him. And these beliefs inhabited his stories and came to life in his fiction. And my, how they came alive. He was a great writer of haunted terrain and thrilling suspense. Set in the Scottish Hebrides, Old House of Fear is a page turner you can't put down. And I'd just like to read one paragraph to give you a sense of the language and sound. Uh, this is from chapter three, and our hero, Hugh Logan, 
is on his way to Old House of Fear. He's uh, from America, and he's on a ferry boat. At six o'clock, the Loch Ness steamed away from the pier toward the Sound of Mull. They crossed the Firth of Lorne, and then to the south, they skirted the great rocky mass of Mull, while the wild shores of Morven frowned upon them from the north. Several islanders were among the passengers, and for the first time in years, Logan heard the Gaelic spoken naturally, that beautiful singing Gaelic of the Hebrides. It went with the cliffs, the sea rocks, the ruined strongholds of Mull and Morven, the damp air, the whitewashed, lonely cottages by the deep and smoothly sinister sea. Well, I think you can see why I was so taken with this work when I read it a year ago. And, and as Roger mentioned, in honor of the 100th anniversary of his birth, actually the very day of his birth, uh, we convened a conference on Dr. Kirk at the New Criterion. The proceedings were published in our January in 2019 issue, and some copies are available here. Uh, I gave a presentation on Dr. Kirk's ghostly tales, and the spirits moved us, and Roger suggested we publish this novel through our imprint, Criterion Books. And I have to say, I'm so pleased to work at a place where we can do just that and do it well, all in time for Halloween. It is also an honor for me to provide the new introduction. And not only will you want to buy this book, but you will want to read this book. <laughs> and I also would like to thank my colleagues, Rebecca Heck, Ben Riley, Andy Shea for Shepherding's production, Encounter Books for their oversight, and Carl Scarborough for the book design. And I'd also like to thank the Kirk family for entrusting us with Dr. Kirk's literary legacy. And it's now my great honor to welcome Dr. Kirk's widow, Annette Kirk. She joins us in New York all the way from the Kirk homestead in Mercosta, Michigan. But I should say she has, in fact, returned to New York, where she was born and raised, to share a bit more about Dr. Kirk's life in fact and fiction. Ladies and gentlemen, Annette Kirk. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you all so much for coming. This is really a pleasure to be here. And to uh, Roger Kimball, thank you so much, and the young woman who did the editing, and all the other people at the New Criterion. Really appreciate this effort. It was such a surprise to hear that it was going to be put back in print because it is, you know, an old book. It's been around a while, but I think it stood has uh, stood the test of time. So I'd like to tell you a little bit about. Uh, the background of the book. Russell wrote this Gothic romance in 1960 when he was living on the top floor in a room with a turret in the old Garden City Hotel while he was teaching at Long Island University. During his years at St. Andrews University in Scotland, he walked miles of the countryside, explored their old inns, its haunted castles, and historic sites. All these experiences fed his imagination and gave him material aplenty from which to write not only this novel, but also many other eerie and scary short stories. Much to Russell's amusement, one year, the Count Dracula Society gave him their annual award. <laughs> their members only knew Russell's fiction. They knew nothing of his works of nonfiction, which was very amusing. Huh? Also in 1960, the year he wrote the book, another event occurred that would impact his and my life. 
A conservative educational reform group organized a student panel on Russell's book, The American Cause. An officer of the group knew that he was then living on Long Island, so they invited him to attend the event, which was held at the Hotel Wellington. And as I was the only female speaker on the panel, I was seated next to Russell at lunch, and so that's how we met. <laughs> Everybody asked me that question. You know? Just a few blocks from here in February 1960, the same year he wrote the book. Four years later in 1964, after many hundreds of letters were exchanged between us, mostly on Russell's part because he wrote every day and I wrote about once a week, um, I wrote Russell that our marriage was inevitable. <laughs> he replied, yes, inevitable. Like death and taxes. It's a strange beginning. That summer, we spent many days enjoying the 1964 World's Fair located next to LaGuardia Airport. One day, we visited the American Library Association Pavilion. To our surprise, there on the wall, next to a dial phone, remember them, dial phones, was a list of the 10 best books of the year for young people, and number four was Old House of Fear. When one dialed the number, a voice summarized the plot of the book. It was an ingenious way to market a book using the then current technology. It was great fun to listen to that. Later that year, Russell's literary agent, Oscar Collier, arranged for us to have lunch with the band leader, Audie Shaw, whom, we were told, was interested in making a film of the book. Well, we had a delightful meal with the very charming Mr. Shaw, who said he loved the intrigue in the book and thought it would make a good movie. However, after some months, we heard from Oscar Collier that the cost Mr. Shaw had to pay for his fifth divorce had ruined him, <laughs> and that as a result, he would be unable to invest in the film. <laughs> James Pinero's, uh, in his introduction to the book, James Pinero, I found his comment that Russell's fiction was not ancillary to his conservative disposition, that it wasn't just a tag-on, but was central to it as it embraced variety, mystery, tradition, the venerable, the awful. This is not an insight that many of Russell's readers appreciate. In fact, many of them dismiss his tales of ancestral shadows, the title of a collection of his incredible short stories, as an eccentric aspect of his otherwise body of credible literature. Thus, as a way to reach the rising generation, in order to teach them to reject ideology, which he described as political fanaticism, Russell hosted frequent seminars in Macosta for college students. All at these events, he explained that conservatism is a disposition, a way of looking at reality, sustained by a body of sentiments, and that it embraces the heart and the hearth as well as the head. From 1973 until his death in 1994, Thousands of students spent weekends talking and walking with Russell, discussing such phrases as Edmund Burke's understanding of the moral imagination, G.K. Chesterton's Democracy of the Dead, and T.S. Eliot's Permanent Things. After his death, desiring to continue this work, the Russell Kirk Center for Cultural Renewal was founded 
to transmit a knowledge of these phrases to the young in an effort to inform and inspire them uh, to redeem the time. Toward this aim, the center publishes two online journals, the University Bookman, and of course our editor is here now, Gerald Russello, and Studies in Burke and His Time, and it hosts a residential fellowship program as well as frequent weekend seminars. These events are held in Russell's Library, a large brick barn-like building. Perhaps some of you would like to attend a seminar or maybe stop by for tea and a tour and the telling of a ghostly tale or two. On that note of the ghostly tale, let me conclude by saying that it seems especially fitting that Old House of Fear be republished in time for the ancient celebration of All Hallows' Eve and be enjoyed by yet another generation of the young at heart. Thank you very much. Thank you.